Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's been a little over 24 hours since the horrific shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration parade. Our hearts remain heavy as we continue to gather more information about these senseless acts. Authorities in Kansas City said the mass shooting now has 23 total victims and one death. Lisa Lopez-Galvin, a popular local DJ. Police Chief Stacy Graves said the shooting appears to have stemmed from a dispute among several people. The victims are between 8 and 47 years old, and half of the injured were under the age of 16. The Chiefs confirmed all players, coaches, staff, and their families are safe and released a statement saying we are truly saddened by the violence and senseless act that occurred outside Union Station at the conclusion of the parade and rally. Our hearts go out to the victims, their families, and all of Kansas City. We thank the local law enforcement officers and first responders who were on scene to assist. Coley Harvey joins us from Kansas City now. And Coley, what's going on there today? Well, Laura, I can tell you that today the healing has begun in Kansas City. I'm sure you saw the tweets yesterday from several Chiefs players like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is asking for ways that he could be connected with some of the youngest victims of this uh, mass shooting, those young children who were gunshot uh, victims. And I just had a chance to sit in on a press conference at Children's Mercy Hospital where I asked officials there if that kind of connection has begun, if they've been, a, been having a chance to connect these families with the Chiefs players and I was told that uh, while the Chiefs players have indeed reached out they're waiting until the appropriate time until uh, those connections are made but that's just a sign of some of the support that we've seen the Chiefs uh, give to their community since uh, that uh, that event took place just about 24 hours ago as you just said uh, we, we heard stories of Andy Reid giving hugs to young children in, in sense of comfort uh, we heard stories of players who were uh, giving uh, uh, tokens of their championship parade to children to just kind of distract from the incident itself. It's a part of the healing process that's begun here. I can also add that we've seen some mending from physical mending from the people who have been involved in this uh, at Children's Mercy Hospital alone. Of the 12 people who were treated at that hospital, only three currently remain in there as the other nine have been discharged. It is a sign that again, that healing is taking place. And behind me, you, you see the cleanup has really begun and is almost over here at Union Station. When I got here this morning and for several hours this morning, trash and, and bottles and, and beer cans, literally everything that existed on the ground 24 hours ago was still there this morning as the investigation was going on here. But now, as uh, the police here in Kansas City have wrapped up that portion of their investigation, the cleanup process is going on here. The healing, indeed, has begun in Kansas City. Yeah, good to hear that some of those victims are recovering. Still, of course, sending our prayers and our hearts are so heavy for Lisa Lopez-Galvin's family. We'll continue to keep an eye on all of this. And thanks to Coley for the latest there. Travis Kelsey posted this. He said, I'm heartbroken over the tragedy that took place today. My heart is with all who came out to celebrate with us and have been affected. KC, you mean the world to me. And Justin Reed adding this. This is sad, man. Kids are being shot and somebody didn't come home tonight. 
We cannot allow this to be normal. We cannot allow ourselves to become numb and chalk it up to just another shooting in America and reduce people in statistics and then move on tomorrow. This is a serious problem. I pray our leaders enact real solutions so our kids won't know this violence. Chiefs offensive lineman Trey Smith was on GMA this morning and told us this incredible story. This little boy uh, was with his father. Oh, he's just a little hysterical. He's just panicked. You know, he's scared. He doesn't know what's going on. And, you know, I had the WWE belt um, on me the entire parade. And, you know, I was thinking, yeah, man, what can I do to help him out? I just handed him the belt. Hey, buddy, you're the champion. No one's going to hurt you. Nowhere. No one's going to hurt you, man. Um, we got your back. We just started talking about wrestling. You know, who's your favorite wrestler? What was your favorite wrestling match? And just little things like that just to take his mind off of it. He was looking out the window and he was seeing people, you know, just reacting the way they were trying to get out of that situation. So I'm like, here you go, buddy. This is yours. You know, man, like, so again, no one's going to hurt you when you're here with us. Thank you for protecting, buddy. You're going to be a-okay. You're going to be all right. You know, safety is a luxury that Americans are used to enjoying, and to see some of that slipping through our fingers time and time again is incredibly difficult to deal with. Marcus Spears, Tim Hasselbeck, Adam Schefter here with me, and I think we can all agree that trying to process this and watch people go through absolute horror has been sickening to all of us. We're going to continue to try to figure out what change can happen. I want to start with you, Adam. What can you add on what's going on in Kansas City from your perspective? Well, Laura, I, I don't know if people realize how close this was to where the Chiefs were in the vicinity of where this was all happening. The parade and celebration end, and some of the Chiefs officials, coaches, players go to board the buses, and the ambulances were loading patients right next to the Chiefs' buses. And there were Chiefs, members of the Chiefs' organization on the buses watching people who had been hit by gunfire loaded into the ambulances right there, uncertain about what was going to happen on those buses themselves, whether one of the gunmen would storm on the bus, whether or not it was safe outside, whether or not there was protection around. Obviously, it was a highly, highly challenging, discomforting, uncertain 20 to 30 minute stretch there that affected a lot of the children on the buses that saw the patients being wheeled onto the ambulances, so much so that today the Chiefs resumed draft meetings within the organization, but also were offering counseling to anybody in the organization or any family member of somebody in the organization that needed it. They had therapist doctors stationed in the Chiefs facility today. There were people that took them up on that, but that was being offered today as a byproduct of yesterday. And really, it's a day that everybody associated with the parade Never will forget the sight of a Super Bowl parade turned into a crime scene where gunshot victims were being taken away by ambulance right next to the buses that were carrying the world champion chiefs. Yeah, the thing that just feels so hard about this, Laura, you said like the parade is supposed to be a celebration. Travis Kelsey tweeted about this is supposed to be a celebration. And to think of the people that went there to enjoy themselves, to support the team, and then to have, you know, it turn into an absolute tragedy and nightmare. In some ways, it's reminiscent of, like, the Boston Marathon, people going to support and cheer for people in a marathon in a crowded event, and then just a senseless tragedy kind of rear its ugly head. And so, 
Look, I, I, the, the fact that we're in a situation now where we're talking about counselors, you know, instead of the celebration of what should have been is sad. Yeah, Tim and, and Chef Dean, we, you know, we talked about this uh, yesterday. And the thing that kept coming back to me, obviously, is the family that lost their family member. That's number one. Um, and our hearts go out. And I talked about it yesterday of how this just seems like a never ending cycle and it's going to revolve into a cycle. But more importantly, you know, seeing Travis Kelsey and Justin Reed and um, obviously Trey Smith, um, you, you think about the humanity, but you also think about how it's affecting those guys. Um, people were out to see them. People were out to celebrate them for an accomplishment. And it turns into them having to speak on behalf of a city because of this tragedy and, and, and ignorance and stupidity. So um, for me, thinking about it yesterday when we were on television and it was real and raw, and thinking about it today, uh, my mind continues to go back to what both of you guys stressed about people going out to have a celebratory event and enjoy a day, and now you dealing a family is dealing with having to bury a family member, uh, other people are injured, the thoughts of the unknown of what could have happened, and let's not like minimize that. That's an effect that is going to have on so many people because you think about those things in those situations of, you know, that could have been me. Those thoughts are real. So like Shefty said, with the counseling that's been set up by the Kansas City Chiefs, there's a lot of ramifications to this. Um, but more importantly, there is a loss of life. And I think the focus needs to be on the attention that that family needs and deserves. But unfortunately, it's something that is happening in this country far too often that in somehow, in some way, we have to minimize it. I don't think you ever stop it 100%, but something needs to be changed in order for these type of events to happen a lot less in this country that we live in. You know, families should be able to take their kids to a Super Bowl parade and celebrate. And the fact that that doesn't seem to be possible in this current America is, is very scary. Um, if you have any info or videos from the shooting, FBI Kansas City posting information on where to send them, you can see it here or go to FBI Kansas City on X as part of the investigation into the shooting at the KC Victory Parade and rally earlier today. The FBI and Kansas City police are requesting anyone who may have video to submit them via that link there that you see on the tweet. Please continue to provide phone tips to KCPD at 816-413-3477. That's all the latest there on how to get your information to the people who need it most. More NFL Live after this. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. UFC 298, Saturday night, highlighted by the featherweight title main event. The main card begins at 10 Eastern on pay-per-view. With the prelims at 8 Eastern on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. To order the main card in Spanish and English, go to ESPN.com slash PPV. We've got a developing story coming out of Seattle. Adam Schefter, what more can you tell us about what's going on with Geno Smith? Well, Laura, Geno Smith has a $12.7 million clause in his contract where if he's on the roster Friday, that money becomes fully guaranteed. And the Seahawks informed Geno Smith today that he will be on the roster past Friday, thereby guaranteeing the $12.7 million in his contract. Now, he's got another roster bonus due on the fifth day of the league year, but Geno Smith makes that $12.7 million. There's no reason for the Seahawks not to pick it up. He represents strong value and obviously could be their starting quarterback. They have a new coaching staff there in Seattle, so the new coaches will have their own assessments. They'll look around and free agency, the draft, see what else is available. If they have Drew Locke, now they have Geno Smith telling him today that they will keep him on the roster, thereby guaranteeing him the $12.7 million trigger in his contract that becomes due tomorrow. Interesting. Tim, do you see Geno Smith as a long-term fit in Seattle? Uh, look, I, I actually think that he can be the starting quarterback there beyond this season. I think he's that good of a player, which is why I think picking up this roster bonus of you know under $13 million actually prevents some value for the Seahawks. Look, two years ago, he threw you know 30 touchdowns and was uh, you know was pretty good at not turning the football over. The numbers down a little bit this season. Some of that was because he missed time, but. I think he can be one of those productive players that you definitely feel like you can win with. And look, when you look a year from now, when he's due, you know, roughly, you know, just over $30 million to be your starting quarterback, that is going to look like a bargain around the National Football League. Like in some cases, it's going to be half of what other guys are making to be starting quarterbacks. So like to say, like, can he be the long-term answer? I actually think he can because hmm. the value and compensation is always going to be pretty attractive for, for Seattle in terms of this year and the following year. Yeah, I agree with Tim, uh, Boogie. And, and more importantly, like supply and demand in this league. I think we get so caught up in trying to find the next uh, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. It's very few of those guys. The rest of these guys are really good football players and they play the position at a very high level. But we kind of get caught up in this comparison game with the top, the upper echelon of guys that we see change the game tremendously and not not give credence or credit to guys that are playing at a high level. Gino has been a really good football player for Seattle. Tim just went through what he was able to do last year. He was phenomenal. This was a playoff football team. He played well this year outside of the injuries and the supply and demand. Like, if you're not clearly significantly upgrading these guys, then I don't believe there is a conversation about if he should be the starter long term unless something happens in training camp where a guy just beats him out. But I think Geno is a really good football player. I think he's a good quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And look, we all know time is limited based on availability. So if you're telling me that one of these guys that's elite is going to come available and the Seattle Seahawks will be in the game, they'll have an opportunity to get them. 
Yeah, over the last two seasons, Geno ranks sixth in the NFL in both passing yards and touchdowns. The best thing ever is they wrote him off and he ain't right back, okay? At Geno Smith with a new coordinator <laughs> and head coach in Seattle. Let's see what's on trend with some other new coordinators around the NFL. We're going to start in Dallas. The Cowboys defense has been one of the best in the NFL over the last three seasons. When they've led the NFL in takeaways and held their opponents to fewer than 20 points per game. However, that level of success hasn't carried over into the playoffs when it matters most, especially this season when they allowed 48 points in a loss to the Packers that we all remember. Here's new defensive coordinator Mike Zimmer on his expectations for next season. Well, I knew right away it was the right opportunity. Um, you know, there was there was another club talking to me, and uh, but th this was this was where I wanted to come. I didn't come here to do all the work that we need to do if we're not if we're not trying to win the championship. And uh, you know, that won 12 games and three straight years. They're on the cusp, and uh, I'm just hoping that I can help a little bit and uh, we can get the players better. And, and but that's, I mean, that's the number one goal. There's, you know, I didn't come. No. Okay, let's be average this year. Let's, no. <laughs> uh, Marcus, can Zimmer reverse this trend and help the Cowboys get over the hump? I believe he can. First, let's give uh, acknowledgement to Dan Quinn, who did a really good job in Dallas. But Mike Zimmer, obviously, one, personnel is going to be a key issue for them at free agency and in the draft. It's building this defensive spine. But Mike Zimmer is a phenomenal defensive coordinator. He was very successful in Minnesota. He was successful in Dallas in his stint until we changed and went to a 3-4, which wasn't his cup of tea. We know the type of players that he has on this defense as well. So I think some of the things that, that Dan Quinn did as far as pressure, as far as creativity at the line of scrimmage, needs to stay because of the athleticism that's up there. But Mike Zimmer is a phenomenal defensive coach. I think everybody should be excited about it. And like I told you a couple weeks, maybe last week, Boogie, I want to see what Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones in this front office is going to do from a personnel standpoint to give Mike Zimmer the best opportunities. You can coach your tail off, but if you don't have players, you just coaching on Madden. So he'll have to go get <laughs> some players in order to be as successful as he wants to be. I feel like you're a little more excited about this than you were when the when the news first happened. Let's go to Philadelphia, where Jalen Hurts yeah. turned the ball over 20 times last season, fourth most in the NFL. That's a significant increase from the eight turnovers that Hurts had during that 2022 season when he was the MVP runner-up and led the Eagles to the Super Bowl. That's what they're chasing, of course. Tim, do you expect Hurts to clean up those turnover issues under new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore? I do now with a little caveat of they do need to make sure that they continue to run the football which is something they did two years ago when that turnover number was way down. I would say this. I think he was kind of uh, you know two years ago probably played a little bit better than he is. I think last year he probably played a little bit worse than he is. I think that he's going to fall somewhere in the middle there. I think Kellen Moore is going to be good for him. And I think if you look at the history of Jalen Hurts as a player whether it was at Alabama, whether it was at Oklahoma, or whether it's been his time in the National Football League, he's actually been a good decision maker, yeah. a guy that generally takes care of the football. And I think that we'll get back to that type of Jalen Hurts next season. Did you guys think it was a little weird, too, when I said that Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator? <laughs> I mean, I know it happened, but it's like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> it is weird. Marcus, it is wild. Yeah, like. It's going to be awkward when him and Mike McCarthy looking at each other across the sideline.
It's just awkward. I, mm, interesting. I know. Uh, all this stuff happens, <laughs> and, and it's like the news is flying around, and then you're like, oh, wait a second. Wow, Kellen Moore is the Eagles OC. Anyway, up yeah. next on NFL Live, this year's draft class is loaded with quarterbacks, and Tim believes one of them is one of the best prospects he's ever evaluated. Find out who that is next. The answer may surprise you. We'll be right back on NFL Live right here on ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. The Caleb Williams Show. The crown jewel of this class. What a throw! That's what Caleb Williams does. A beauty from Caleb Williams. Oh, mama! He's almost unstoppable. Drake May is a player to watch in college football. His physical ability, his competitiveness. Drake May is going to blow some people away. The best quarterback in this class. Jaden Daniels, he was on every game. He could beat you leg or arm. Daniels putting on a show. The matchup nightmare. Really rare and really impressive to me. Bill Yates released his mock draft 1.0 yesterday, his first ever mock, and it's a great one. It had quarterbacks going 1-2-3, as you might expect, Caleb Williams to the Bears, Jaden Daniels to the Commanders, meaning he jumped Drake May, who goes third to the Patriots. If that happens, it would be the fourth time in the common draft era that quarterbacks were selected each of the first three picks. The last time it happened was 2021. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. Kind of interesting to reflect on that draft class with a few years of perspective. But, Tim, do you agree with the order that Field has these QBs coming off the board, especially that spot where you got Jaden Daniels ahead of Drake May? Yeah. You know, I don't. And, you know, I've been on the record of saying this, and I think I've probably said it for a little while now. Look, I think Drake May is the best quarterback in this class. I think I've been working at ESPN for 15 years, evaluating quarterbacks. I think he's as promising as any quarterback I've seen during that stretch. It's a good example. This is the season opener against South Carolina. He's getting zero blitz. He knows it, and you can tell he knows it because he's drifting away from the free runner. He's got a tight end that's not looking for the football, so he pumps it. And then he gets rid of the football again without ever putting his left hand back on the ball. Kind of an insane ability to do that. A lot of people talk about these other guys and their ability to create. Even though he's built like a 
drop back pass. So that's a left handed pass completion against Pitt for a touchdown. And as a runner, I think people are going to be blown away when they see him because he's an incredible runner at his size to be as elusive as he is, is not normal. And look, I get it. Like we're talking about really talented guys at the top of the draft. And for Caleb Williams, look, he has an uncommon calm in the pocket and ability to create on his own. I just really believe that when you kind of go through the checklist of things that you are looking for out of your quarterback, size, athleticism, arm strength, a lot of the intangibles in terms of competitiveness and leadership. Uh, look, there's so much to fall in love with about Drake May. I think there's going to be a lot of people that come away thinking he's going to be a way better pro hmm. than he was a college player. It's certainly how I feel about it. Uh, Tim, I love that you put that clip in of him just barreling down the sideline because I, I do think that's a part of his game that not as many people talk about, and it's certainly there as you illustrated so well. Okay, the commanders are sitting at that number two pick. Listen to what Cliff Kingsbury said. He's the new offensive coordinator there. This is what he said today. What type of quarterback, like the ideal fit, the characteristics, the traits that you want to work with here in Washington? Uh, the Chiefs quarterback. That'd help. <laughs> uh, no. Um, I do think the game, as you can see, you watch those guys, Brock and him at the end, like when the money's on the table, you got to be able to make some plays um, with your feet, move around enough to escape a bad play. And it doesn't mean you got to run like Lamar or Kyler Murray, but you better be able to move a little bit and um, buy yourself some time. All right, so Marcus, uh, Jane Daniels can definitely do that. Field has him going number two to the commanders. What do you think of that fit? I like the fit, and obviously Cliff salivated over the uh, thought of getting Kyler Murray in Arizona. Yeah. We saw Kyler Murray play at a high level, but we also saw Kyler Murray struggle at times under Cliff Kingsbury. I think Jaden Daniels is one of those it's, – it's similar to Joe Burrow, right? You explode on the scene this year. You do some things that people didn't really pay attention to. The downfield passing is there. He, he's got to continue to work like all of these guys on downfield accuracy, decision-making. That comes along with being young. But when you start when, – when Cliff made the statement about we ought to have some guys that's going to be able to create when things are broken down around us, Five can absolutely do that. And we saw him do it time and time again for LSU. He was the offense outside mm. of the receivers. And he has some really good guys to throw to that's going to be drafted high. Malik Neighbors comes to mind. But if you watch Jaden Daniels play this year and you start talking about the ability to play outside of structure and still have creativity enough to push the ball down the field, he is what the NFL is now in this new iteration. And I think it goes back to what Tim is saying as well with all three of these guys. I think it's really going to be about your cup of tea, right? Like, when you look at these guys, it's going to be a tremendous amount of talent. And obviously, Caleb is thought of as the first guy. But we know as the draft creeps closer and closer, all of the stories and things starting to come out about different guys and why they would be the first pick and second pick. Nothing is etched in stone. Caleb Williams is right now decidedly so the first pick overall. But I think as we get closer, some things are going to pop out about these other two guys. That's two and three, whatever order you have them in. Yeah, the Combine's coming up the first couple days of March, too. One thing about Daniels that I think is really important, if you look at the context of last season, the defense for LSU struggled so much. He was on the field so often. And as you said so well, Marcus, was the entirety of their offense. 
with a little bit of help from the receivers. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about a few more picks we saw from Fields Mock Draft 1.0. Quarterback selections at number 12, the Broncos select J.J. McCarthy, the Michigan quarterback. Fields sees McCarthy as a fit with the Broncos because he doesn't expect Russell Wilson to be back in Denver next season, which makes sense. In his two seasons with the Broncos so far, Wilson ranks 25th in the NFL in QBR, a significant decline from his 10 seasons with the Seahawks when Wilson ranked in the top 10. You know, certainly uh, the relationship, too, with Russell Wilson and the Broncos matters here. Tim, what do you think of J.J. McCarthy to the Broncos at number 12? Yeah, you know, I was a little bit surprised at how high Field had him. And some of that is, look, the first three picks being quarterbacks, you may get people reaching uh, for the next quarterback that could come off the board. And, look, I think with McCarthy, there's a lot to like. He's uh, he kind of been under the microscope for a long time. He's performed in some very big moments. He physically does a lot of what you would want an NFL quarterback to be able to do. I do think there's going to end up being questions, concerns about his accuracy. And so I think for that, that's probably why I'm a little bit hesitant to see him at 12, just knowing how important it is to be accurate at the next level and how that usually factors into the evaluation process. Later in the mock, Field has the Steelers taking Bo Nix out of Oregon at number 20. That's interesting because two years ago, the Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett with the 20th overall pick. Hadn't worked out so far. Through his first two seasons, Pickett has the same number of interceptions as touchdown passes, and the Steelers have averaged fewer than 17 points per game in his starts. Marcus, do you think Bo Nix is an upgrade over Kenny Pickett? Boogie, I'm not sure, but let me say this. I did like what I saw when I watched Bo Nix a few times this year. The game against Washington, he played very well under Dan Landing, and this team was really good. They pushed the ball down the field. His athleticism, I think, is a little bit more than what uh, Kenny Pickett has as well. And, Boogie, you remember this. We were at SEC Network, and Bo Nix was at Auburn, and he was awful. But he was a young football player. And I give a lot of credence to the maturity that it took for him to become the type of player that we're talking about now with the potential of going in the first round. I think that's a big deal when it comes to seeing guys mature and continue to get better. That lets you know that they've been working um, on all facets of their game. So as far as being a significant upgrade over Kenny Pickett, I believe he's better. I believe he'll be better suited than Kenny Pickett has shown, but I don't know if it's going to be significant enough in that particular division if you don't go out and try to get somebody more dynamic than both of those guys. Hmm. Yeah, credit to Bo Nix for working on his game. And, Adam, the Steelers could have other options, right, to Marcus's point. You think they're more likely to go with a quarterback in the draft or maybe look to trade for, I don't know, Justin Fields, sign a free agent? What do you think they do? Well, listen, Mike Tomlin, the Steelers head coach, Laura, made no secret of the fact that they're going to bring in competition for Kenny Pickett. So if we look at the new offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, he does have a connection and a tie to Ryan Tannehill, who is a free agent. We do know that Mike Tomlin is a big fan of Justin Fields. Many people are. There are going to be options out there. Denver could be moving on from Russell Wilson. Maybe that's an option in Pittsburgh. Certainly one of these veteran options you would figure would be attractive to Pittsburgh. They'll have to go through and decide which one they like most. But I think when you have gotten a guy like Kenny Pickett, who you invested a first-round draft pick in, Maybe you want to bring in a veteran to challenge him to see if it could raise his level of play. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point by Adam in terms of that. You can think about Kenny Pickett. When he was drafted, he was seen as 
a ready-made player. He was older. He played a lot of football at Pitt. He wasn't necessarily a project-type player. And so I think whether it's a guy like Bo Nix, another guy that's played a lot of football at the college level, you would think that he's been kind of groomed to be ready. I just don't believe that that's the direction. I think it's more along the lines of, hey, we need someone to come in that could maybe be the starter for us right away, not somebody else that's similar to pick it in the sense of, look, we know he could play at the college level, but can he do it at this level? Mm-hmm. Well, um, Justin Fields would be perfect, guys, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think about what you just said, Shefty, with Ryan Tannehill when he left Miami and those really good seasons he had in Tennessee with Derrick Henry and obviously at the time having A.J. Brown. And you think about the situation that Justin Fields will walk in in Pittsburgh with Pickens on the outside and Johnson and Najee Harris and Warren in the backfield. This offensive line and run game came to the forefront for Pittsburgh late in the season. We know defensively they're going to be stout with a superstar like uh, T.J. Watt um, and and on the other side with Ha Smith. This team is ready-made. And when you think about Arthur Smith, I go back to that. He used Ryan Tannehill's athleticism. Ryan Tannehill got better under Mm -hmm. Arthur Smith. And when you think about Justin Fields and the situation he's been in in Chicago with instability, the one thing we talk about with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the fact that Mike Tomlin is the head coach, that there is stability. And I love the Mm. fact that Arthur Smith is coming off of a head coaching stint. He's also been an offensive coordinator. He's had success as an OC in developing a quarterback to play better than his previous destination. I think it would be beautiful to see Justin Fields in the black and gold. I'm kind of rooting for it now. Uh, There's a lot of places we could put Justin Fields, but Arthur Smith's offenses have ranked in the top 10 in rushing yards in four of his last five seasons as a play caller. It could be a really fun offense to see Fields really shine in. Still to come on NFL Live, big decisions to be made in Cincinnati as T. Higgins enters free agency. Should the Bengals fight to keep him? Well, if not, Marcus has two teams that make sense for the star receiver. Find out who they are next. We'll be right back. NFL Live carries on on ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Richard Pryor, famously playing America's first black president, once said, as long as it's going to be football, going to be some black in it somewhere. Look at the league now. The Raiders tout the first NFL team ever with an all-black leadership group. 
Melody Hobson and Condoleezza Rice are the first black women to be a part of an NFL ownership group with the Denver Broncos. And Magic Johnson, who's invested in several teams from the Los Angeles Football Club to the LA Dodgers, expanded his empire to include a minority stake in the Washington Commanders. Make no mistake about it, a lot still has to be done in terms of diversity at the game's highest levels, including majority ownership by multiple black owners. But a shift is happening. Glad to have you on NFL Live. Let's take a look at some players who are expected to hit free agency this season. Look at this list, okay? Mark has some notable big men on here. Who catches your eye? Justin Matabike from the Baltimore Ravens had a phenomenal season. Um, I'm, I, I don't want to say flew under the radar, but they were so good in other spots that it wasn't probably as loud as it should have been. You see the numbers here, 13 sacks, 33 quarterback pressures. Boogie, you know this, how much I think that interior pressure in this league matters when it comes to trying to win championships and impacting games. And I think he's the one of those next inline three techniques to not only get a big payday, but to be super effective in each and every game that he plays in. Justin Matabike, I will have my eyes on you to get that bag, sir. Mm, can't wait to see where he ends up. Uh, Tim, Kirk Cousins in the top ten of this list. Where do you think he lands? I think he ultimately ends up back in Minnesota, and I think for a number of reasons. One, he's a really good quarterback, and I'm sure that they value that, especially after going through the quarterbacks that they went through this season and the struggles that that presented. I also believe this, coming off of the Achilles injury, that can often make people a little uneasy, both player and teams, in regards to that. Remember Jimmy Garoppolo a few years ago being injured, not fully healthy. It affected him in free agency. That's another reason why I think Minnesota just makes the most sense. They know what type of player he is. They know his health situation. I just think that that's ultimately what happens. Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins is another notable player who's going to be a top wide receiver in the free agent market this offseason. Higgins has 24 touchdowns over four seasons along with two 1,000 yard seasons and a major part of course of Cincinnati's high powered offense. Since entering the NFL in 2020, Higgins has been one of the best receivers in the league specifically on third down where he's averaged 10.3 yards per target. Pretty impressive. That's the fourth best mark in the NFL trailing only CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson. You think about it that way, he's on that caliber, that level of receiver. Adam, what more can you tell us about the Bengals' plans for T. Higgins? I think they'd like to figure out a way to retain him if possible, Laura, and that very well could include the franchise tag, which I think a lot of people in and around Cincinnati believe will wind up on T. Higgins. If they tag him, they always could see if he can find an offer out there that maybe they can't afford, that at least they're getting compensation in return. But it's hard to imagine the Bengals are just going to let him walk in free agency and go sign with another team. That does not seem like a likely option. And when you talk to people within the organization, it certainly sounds like the most likely scenario is the franchise tag on T. Higgins. That way they can at least try to control whether or not he's back in Cincinnati for another season to try to run it back with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase once again. Yeah, it makes sense. Tim, how important is it, do you think, for the Bengals to keep T. Higgins? You don't want your you know, guys that you've drafted to leave. I just know this. When Schefter like, like, lets go of like a chuckle of like, that's not going to happen. They're not going <laughs> to let him go to free agency. It means that like, you might as well just book it. Like, that's not <laughs> happening. Like, he's, he's been so good. He's been – and people have been trying to kind of – you know, talk their way to have him not be in Cincinnati for the last couple of years. 
That's just not the Cincinnati way. You drafted a really good player. You were fortunate enough to draft another wide receiver who's also really good, you know, after him. And so because of that, you want to keep that intact as long as you can. And if you are going to lose him, you have to get something for him. That's why the franchise tag, getting something in place that would maybe kind of present an opportunity for another team to give him a long-term deal. That's really the only way it makes sense. No doubt, Shefty. Welcome back to the offseason because you know I'm the objector when it comes <laughs> oh, to dudes no. leaving teams and going to get their money. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Um, both of you guys obviously make sense. Like Cincinnati can't let T. Higgins walk out the building, not only for his production, but the continuity that they've created offensively. They found a great synergy in what I believe is two number one receivers, not seemingly to be disgruntled about their production and how their how their how the ball is distributed by Joe Burrow. But here's the thing. T. Higgins wants to get to a major bag. That's number one. So the franchise tag, players are never happy about it. Sometimes it's a placeholder to give you more times to get a deal done. The other thing is, I'm not too sure that another team won't be willing to give up something of, of significance for T. Higgins when you start talking about the number one wide receiver. Carolina, and remember I said this, the Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh. may be in play for T. Higgins. That's really interesting considering the fact that even though the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and they found ways offensively, we talked all season long about them needing a more dynamic number one target. Imagine pairing him with Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey says he's coming back. Oh, goodness. Um, all right, by the way, I'm going to start putting on the bottom line that Adam said something with a chuckle because I think Tim's right. Like when he says it that way, uh, it's, it's even more confirmed than normal. Coming up next on NFL Live, the Niners decided to fire Steve Wilkes as their defensive coordinator after their Super Bowl loss. Find out why Marcus believes this highlights a bigger problem in San Francisco. We'll explain that next right here on ESPN. We'll be right back. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This weekend, MetLife Stadium will host the NHL's next two outdoor games on ABC and ESPN+. Saturday, the Flyers square off against the Devils at 8 Eastern. And Sunday, it's the Rangers and Islanders at 3 Eastern. This is a whole lot of fun. Don't miss it on the ESPN family of networks. Time now for some top stories with Adam Schefter, starting with some moves made today by the Bears. Adam, what more can you tell us? All right, Laura, a short time ago, the Chicago Bears released veteran Pro Bowl guard Cody Whitehair and safety Eddie Jackson. Those two releases will save the Bears about $21.5 million against the cap, more money for Chicago to go out and upgrade its roster 
during the offseason. Meanwhile, Chris Jones at the parade yesterday vowed that he too would be back in Kansas City despite the fact that he is scheduled to be a free agent in mid-March and could go test the waters and look for the highest bidder. He said he's not leaving Kansas City. I'm sure his agents were not particularly pleased to hear him make that proclamation, but he made it nonetheless and he vowed to be back in Kansas City. And he'll be back in Kansas City with Steve Spagnuolo, who signed an extension with the Chiefs. He spent five seasons at the Chiefs defensive coordinator. He's now won four Super Bowls as a coordinator. Steve Spagnuolo, one of the top defensive coordinators in the game, and the Chiefs have now rewarded him for it. And at the opposite end of the spectrum is the defensive coordinator from the 49ers, who got relieved of his duties yesterday. Steve Wilkes was let go by Kyle Shanahan yesterday morning. The two men had a conversation. They decided that it wasn't a fit and that Steve Wilkes would go on to coach somewhere else, which leaves the Niners in the market now for a defensive coordinator. Never much of an advantage to go hunting for a defensive coordinator in mid-February. We saw what happened last year when the Philadelphia Eagles did that. They wound up hiring Sean Desai. Didn't work out. Defense struggled. And now the 49ers find themselves in a similar predicament, hoping to improve upon what the Eagles did during their hiring cycle for a defensive coordinator one year ago. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on exactly where they go. The 49ers defense, Adam, one of the best in the NFL during the regular season when they held their opponents to 17.5 points per game, which ranked third in the NFL. However, their performance declined in the playoffs when the 49ers allowed nearly 26 points per game and more than 400 yards per game. Marcus, do you agree with the Niners' decision to move on from Steve Wilkes? I don't. I hate the timing, and I hate the fact that he did a really good job this year. And I know the playoff uh, numbers don't look as well as the regular season, but that offense didn't perform um, a lot in Green Bay game for the first three quarters, the first half of the Detroit game. And obviously, Kansas City, they jumped out into a 10-point lead and then went stagnant as well. And the question is, that, like, we have to sit here and try to analyze this. I want to know from Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch why Steve Wilkes is not there. It may have been a mutual parting ways, but from a football context and the success of a unit that I believe lost one of the better safeties in, in uh, Ufunga this year still played well, and we just watched them play in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, and they did a really good job for a large majority of that game. So it's just perplexing to me that we get to a point where Steve Wilkes is fired for doing a good job. Usually, the results are that they, he just had trouble, they had problems, and look, this needed this a move that needed to be made in order to improve. I don't know how much you improve from Steve Wilkes at this point when you make this decision to get rid of him. I think you make really good points. Like it, it's, From a football perspective, it's hard to make it make sense. And in fact, it might even be impossible to make it make sense. It was just the coordinator after being there for one year of a team that was in the Super Bowl, and they produced at a high level. Like, that's not easily done, and yeah. it's certainly not why they lost the Super Bowl. So, like, to me, you can't make it make sense. The only thing you could say is, like, like you said, Marcus, maybe it was mutual. Maybe it was a personality conflict because it most certainly was not a defensive production situation. That And you mentioned this, and it's a big deal. Because of the timing, it's awful timing for Steve Wilkes. There is not a like job that is available for him to move into, and that's really maybe the biggest shame of it all. Yeah, since 2010, yeah. Wilkes is only the second defensive or offensive coordinator to be fired after his team reached the Super Bowl. 
makes you wonder exactly what happened. Time for one more thing before we go. Steve Spagnuolo had a fun idea for Patrick Mahomes today on the Pat McAfee Show. I tell you what I've been trying to do, guys. I wanted to see if he could be the first two-way player. We can get him over safety. Get him to play corner. I don't think Coach Reed's going to go for it, but how about that, right? That wouldn't that set a legacy. The problem is Patrick Mahomes would totally go for this. He'd be like, yes. <laughs> Put me out there the whole time. Ain't he great enough? Leave him over there on offense so Tim and all of these guys can <laughs> relish over him. Let us have our defensive side of the ball, We'll see please. you tomorrow. <laughs>